0: He's sharing a TV with your elderly father. His English nurse and funny little dog got you down. Well, you have come to the right place. Grab your tossed salads and scrambled eggs. We are listening to TV Chinwag with Ryan and Jules. Hey, and welcome to episode six of TV Chinwag and the second part of our comedy laugh-filled review of what we find hilarious on television. Hello to my very adorable co-host, Ryan. Hello,
1: Jules. How, how are you today?
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm very well, Ryan. How's your adorable self?
1: I am doing fantastic. Still on holidays, enjoying it, relaxing. I'm trying to stay <gasps> out, uh, out from, away from the sun. I don't want to get my pasty white skin colored or anything.
0: <laughs> Got to keep that white nerd suntan going, don't you? I like
1: translucent. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> there are those times when people do mistake you for a vampire but that's probably due to the sparkles as much as anything i
1: drink a lot of blood as well
0: <laughs> well there is that but isn't that common in canada
1: oh yeah yeah we all do it
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're back uh, after our last episode where we talked about broad city and the league today we're going to be talking portlandia and louis ck um, I think two, probably of of the favourite my favourite comedies uh, around at the moment for very very different reasons. But we did have during the week, and I thought it would be good to revisit the very first episode we did of TV Chinwag. We reviewed Fargo, um, which had only had a couple of episodes there at that time, and we had the finale air episode 10 air during the week ryan what did you think of the whole season of fargo and the finale in particular i thought
1: it was fantastic you know and we gushed on the the podcast about it on uh, episode one if people haven't heard it it's um it's
0: go back and listen to episode one pause
1: this right now go back Go and listen listen to it again come back hit resume we'll wait (laughs) go ahead okay welcome back uh, so like I was saying in episode one, I think it's a great show. Awesome cast. I mean, Billy Bob Thornton, who I don't really like in many things, was amazing in this. Um, um, uh, Bilbo Baggins was fantastic. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> I, I mean.
0: I have to say, I think it's the best thing I've seen Martin Freeman in. Uh, I, I really just think he owns this, um. Uh, you know, yes, he makes a great Hobbit, and make oh, you know, I can take or leave him in Sherlock. To be honest, uh, I mean, I think he's great in it, but uh, character not so much. And and I wasn't a huge. I liked him in The Office, but um, this seriously will change your mind about him as an actor.
1: I think I like him in Sherlock better.
0: Oh, yeah, ooh. yeah. Well we'll be talking about that in a few weeks time Absolutely. so we can uh, we can argue our favorite freeman.
1: <laughs> we can we can post freeman against freeman. Against yes! Morgan Freeman.
0: Oh. I guess we could have yeah. we could have a big battle of the freeman. That would be really great, um, yeah. And well I was going to say we could uh, <sighs> just thinking back to different characters uh, that uh, actors in this show of Played We we could bat, battle off the different Billy Bob Thorntons because he's played a lot of psychos in his time.
1: <laughs> That's true, yeah. Is this the scariest, do you think? Oh, yes. Yeah, very, very chilling, very frightening guy. That elevator scene was just fantastic.
0: Yes. I mean, he plays the sort of evil that... Um, a force of nature, almost, if you like. You know, he's he's not... This is not the sort of character you can... Uh, you know, analyze and work out why he's doing what he's doing. I mean, he's almost uh, in the tradition of the sort of uh, you know trickster gods from from folklore. That you know, a lot of what he does is is purely just to see the chaos he can cause in 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 people's lives. You know, he's like he's almost like that kid pulling the wings off flies, um, and, and that you know, I think that's often the the scariest sort of evil. Um, because you can't necessarily predict what it's going to do next, unless you're the wonderful Molly Solverson, uh, played by Alison Tolman, who I was absolutely thrilled to see got a Critics' Choice Award this week for her um, for her portrayal. Oh, good in for her! Fargo. That's great. Yeah, yeah, she did a really uh, good
1: job. Like she played a, a a vulnerable character that was also strong. Um, you know, she played it from a weak vantage point, um, trying to accomplish more than what she could. Um, while still being like feminine and and motherly and matronly and but also tough at the same time, very complicated character. I think that's that's
2: wonderful.
0: Well, and I think that was again one of the many things the show did so well was subverting, uh, you know, many of the very expected uh, hero tropes that we have. And you know, the 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 current uh, trope of the moment is is sort of the. Either the antihero or or the not even the hero. I mean, I'm thinking of, of characters like Tony Soprano and Walter White and uh, amongst others, uh, and probably even the lead characters in, in True Detective, who who both of whom were heroes in a way, but they were entirely unlikable characters. They they certainly in True Detective, I thought, represented the you know the worst of masculinity in a way. Um, but you know, here we have a really different character who's almost your. She's almost an anti-hero because she is exactly the opposite of what we normally see as a hero. <laughs> she she doesn't she doesn't have magic powers of detection. You know, she's not a Sherlock type character with you know, you know, some sort of psychic intuition about people. She does her job through hard work and persistence and being clever. Um. And and her, I think. So, again, the way that I, I said that, you know, Billy Bob Thornton's character is so scary because of its unpredictability and chaos. Her character for me is so heroic because she's so ordinary, um, and, and that's something you don't see a lot of. Uh,
1: uh, yes, no, absolutely. I, I, I want to hear more about that. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, and I, I think that's that's really fantastic about her. Um, I would like to see more of that character. Can we see? Can we get more of that? What happens in season two? Have they said?
0: Well, no. Um, And interestingly, FX hasn't officially renewed Fargo, or although I think that's really, you know, just a formality at this point. But Noah Hawley, who created, wrote every episode, uh, has said that it will be an anthology type show. He wants to. It will be continued to be set. In the Midwest, somewhere. So, you know, it's basically going to be true crime in Minnesota, if you like. But um, the implication has been, it won't be the same characters at all. So, it will be, you know, the next one will be another story, probably set, you know, set in another town, Uh, even possibly in another time. He implied they might go back into the past, Um, which is sad in a way. But on the other hand, I sort of like that moving on. I will always think about what happened to these characters and, and they were so wonderful. I mean, um, you know, the Colin, um, uh, Colin Hanks is her partner, Gus. Um, his daughter, you know, who has a very small role but I thought was a wonderfully realised character. Agreed. For the, for the teenage yeah. yeah, she was daughter. wonderful. Again, again uh, a relationship with her father and, and a character you don't see that often. Um, her father, who was played by an actor whose name I've just immediately forgotten, but everyone knows. Carradine, um, Keith Carradine. Keith Carradine. Who played oh, um, you know.
1: Wild Bill Hickok in Deadwood.
0: Yes. Uh, just, you know, again, a wonderful actor to watch, but again, he he they created a, a minor character that just, you felt his whole history and story uh, and his relationship here. And, of course, one of uh, our favourites, and we talked last week about Better Call Saul, Bob Odenkirk was here. Um and he had a wonderful sort of resolution of his character arc in the in the finale.
1: Yeah, where he uh, it turns out he's the killer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler, no. But but again, it was a. I liked the way they sort of subverted a character that had set up as being a bit of a not a fool so much but you know he's the one when there's all these murders going on in the town he's ended up as the chief of police and he's worried about snowplows and, and right. you know he is he is played as a bit of a a, a fool uh and then he has this sort of he has a, a revelation and and evolves at the end to a place that's not inconsistent with the character um but really ends ends it I think on a nice note of where he ends up and ends up passing on the uh, the the head of the police department to to the Molly Sulverson character I really liked that I thought it was um, something they didn't need to do there was enough happening in the finale yeah
2: uh,
0: and we had the wonderful Keen Peel who'd been cast as these FBI agents um, really surprisingly and I really hope we see them turn up in um, uh, you know, in in more dramatic roles as well, because I thought they were just brilliant and a bit like um, Bob Oden- Odenkirk's role in Breaking Bad. They were not there as comedy relief, but they were present in some of the lighter moments um, of the show as well.
1: Interesting. I, you know, I <sighs> I could have done without them, or okay. I, I could have done with maybe just a. Mis- you know, if you would have put Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey in there um, <laughs> I, It just I i didn't buy that they were FBI agents I just felt like they were kind of goof clowns and okay. uh, That was the I thought the one sort of weak point in it. I, I like the guys I think they're funny and they created yeah, yeah. something else But here I think I, we needed a little bit more of real FBI agents that are are getting screwed over You know made made some mistakes and I, I didn't I didn't that, but other than I didn't ruin it for me, It didn't take me out of it no, very no. much. But you know, I, I thought that we could have done better than that. But um, but good, really good. I mean, still a wonderful show. Highly recommended.
0: Yes, and a lot of people have asked me uh, because, of course, it there was the movie Fargo made by the Coen Brothers, and uh, which have you seen it yet? No.
2: Nope.
0: Okay now now that you've the first season's finished, please. I just would love to hear what you think of the movie, right. uh, which is unconnected. Although there are a couple of Easter eggs that connect uh, the the movie and the and this season of the TV show. But uh, a number of people have said to me, "Oh, but you know, it, um, you know, it'll it must ruin the movie, or uh, you know, how could they be true to it?" What I've said is for people: if you love the movie, there is no doubt you will love this season. I'd I'd be interested to see if that works in reverse. But certainly, as someone who you know, that movie's in my, you know, top ten list. Uh, this this captures the essence of that movie so, so well. So in a way that's quite extraordinary, given that it's, you know, someone entirely different who wasn't involved in the movie. And to realise that in a ten-episode arc um, as well... Uh, Right down to the cinematography, which is absolutely breathtaking. I think that's something it has in common with uh, with True Detective. There are a number of things, but that uh, the sense of place uh, that you had in True Detective is here as well, and just some scenes that are just on their own breathtaking.
1: All right, I'll watch it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's your homework. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any, any other TV news you wanted to mention?
1: Well, we could talk, maybe we'll save it for next week, but I was going to say we could talk about the uh, Critics' Choice Awards and the nominations and stuff, but maybe we wait uh, a little bit for that.
0: Yes, well, I'm not sure when the Emmy nominations come out, but maybe we can have a, a bit of a rant generally about, uh, about awards shows yeah. and uh, their, role in, um, their role in media these days, which I do think has changed a lot. Um, over the past ten years, I don't think they have the 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 role that or the hold the sway that they used to um, over TV, and that's partly because there's a hell of a lot of TV that never gets mentioned at any of these awards shows. Well, how many
1: how many network or how many cable networks are there? How many channels? How many shows? Yeah. it's uh it's huge, huge, huge. And I'll, I'll tell you this right now: the best quality television shows are not on the networks.
0: Yes, I think that's uh, uh, generally held to be true these days, yet it's interesting how uh, the same shows keep winning uh, again and again. And I will say that at the um, TV Critics Award, you know, Big Bang Theory won Best Comedy and that immediately invalidates your award. (laughs)
2: What do you
1: think should have won Best Comedy? (sighs) Do you think it might be the show that we're about to talk about?
0: It, I'll tell you what, I, it, either either the shows we talked about last week in Broad City and the League, and I didn't even like the League, <laughs> um, or Portlandia and Louis, I think any of those. I, it's also really difficult. I mean, the again, we're, I'm not to get on a big rave about uh, award shows, but when you start to lump things together, and we've had, seen award shows have to start and break things up as TV has become more diverse uh, from... You know the, the the dramatic. It used to be like the dramatic series, the sitcom, and that was sort of it. Now they you have to have the miniseries and the uh, and different formats. But to lump all comedy together, first of all, you can say, what's the point of it? You know, mm-hmm. um, really, with anything, you know, you, I, I'm all for rewarding excellence in things. But you know, to compare, you know, two shows we're going to talk about now, Portlandia and Louis C.K. Um, I don't see that there's any point in saying that one's better than the other. Which one do you enjoy the most? I mean, that's that's what main. it comes to.
1: down to. That's what know. it comes down or to. Or not and even yeah, the I most, think, it's just... <laughs> what do you enjoy? I guess,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, I, think, uh, I have inherent issues. I mean, I think sometimes you do want to reward, you know, amazing writing or amazing acting, but I don't necessarily think generally award shows um, get it right. <laughs> And there are so many players in, in it in terms of, you know, what network's backing what or what studio and, um, you know, what it means in terms of advertising dollars, blah, blah, blah. The corporate industrial military complexes controlling everything.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, as a member of the, <laughs> uh, of, of the Emmys, uh, I'm a member of the Emmys, I get sent, oh, I mean, if I counted them, probably 200 DVDs every season. Uh,
0: gee it must take you a long time to watch all those before you ca- carefully cast your vote
1: yeah it, you would think it, it would <laughs> um, you know and say that's 200 shows say that's 200 one hour shows that are for your consideration well some of the discs have four or five episodes some of them have a whole season um, and as a, a member or a voting member you have to sit down and, and go through those and vote for them well and then when you when you get the ballots it's you know, two arms lengths long of, you know, what do you like this? Well, first for the, you know, when you get to, when you're nominating them, it shows you, okay, what do you think is the best comedy? And it'll show you every bloody comedy on TV, and you have to pick, you know, 10 <laughs> or pick 20 uh, of your favorites, and then those get accumulated to the the ones that actually go out there. So guess what happens is people traditionally don't have 200 hours to sit down and watch television. They're going to put votes in for... The shows that they know, right? All of a sudden that little box gets filled out for the one that you've heard of, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's the shows that are, you know, getting reviewed or uh, getting talked about or getting rated, and it's not going to be... It's not going to be the shows no one's... You know most people haven't heard of. I remember seeing a breakdown actually from the Academy Awards of it was I think it was the foreign films. and they had a breakdown of how many people actually voted, you know, out of the however many thousands of people are eligible. And it's like you know the film that won best foreign film, you know there was half a dozen people voted right. for it because no one's watching them, which makes you know makes a farce of the whole thing. Yeah.
1: Um, but, best, yeah. best short animated series show or something i mean yeah they're gonna get 25 people voting
0: (sighs) we should start it We're 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 definitely of course though although we hate awards we will be running the tv chinwag awards later in the year
2: when we make our
0: official
1: uh, announcements as to what shows we think will should win
0: yes the Um, chinnies uh, the chinnies there you go we've just decided (laughs) and and the award will um have a chin with a big Hair coming out of it um, on on the top of it, <laughs> um, and we might get we might get our listeners to nominate what sort of awards there should be. That would be fun. Yes, yeah, you know, best vagina joke in a sitcom.
1: Oh yeah, it's easy.
0: <laughs> There'd be a lot of competition for that. I've probably last yes. Um, Put a bird but on let's... it. <laughs> Speaking of. <laughs> Speaking of putting a bird on it, why don't we go now to our first co- comedy to talk about this week, which is Portlandia. We, we put, put birds, birds on things. things. It's watermelon. There's a hair
2: on it. Other than that,
0: that's, I don't know. They do have a question about the chicken. Absolutely. Uh, his name was Colin. Here are his papers.
1: So, Jules, tell us about about Portlandia.
0: Oh, Portlandia stars uh, Kerry Brostine and Fred Amundsen, uh, who appear as most of the characters in this show. It's sort of—it's uh, not really sketch comedy, but there are each episode has a series of vignettes, if you like, around different characters, and it's all based around Portland. Again, it uh, grew out of some web, uh, not really series, but web videos that these two were doing and they found that more and more of their uh, stuff was centering around Portland, uh, the city. And uh, that grew into this show called Portlandia, which is set in um, Portland. Uh, I have to say I relate to this hugely. I live in... Melbourne, and a large part of Melbourne is basically Portlandia. (laughs) Uh, So Kerry and Fred play a number of different characters. So there's, um, for example, and they gender swap as well. So there's um, Lance and Nina in which Fred plays the female part of this relationship she's a she's a bit of a diva she's a bit high maintenance nina uh and and carrie plays lance who's a sort of long-suffering boyfriend um and there's a number of other characters there's uh, tony and candace who run the women and women first <laughs> lesbian feminist Bookshop. um and there's a uh, there's i think there's actually is a there's a couple called fred and carrie who are the ones who are who become good friends with the mayor who's played by uh kyle mclaughlin and they're um, friends,
1: but they share a bedroom, but separate beds, I think.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 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 um,. And, and these characters, sometimes they intersect. Uh, sometimes they're just quite separate stories in an episode. There are a number of episodes that have an overarching story where all these characters sort of have different parts in it. One of my favourites was uh, Brunch, which is about a new brunch place in town that people, uh, you know, prepare to queue for to get into. And this whole community and sort of civilization grows in this long queue during the morning as everyone wakes and almost becomes this sort of Mad Max type uh, environment in, in this queue. And, of course, you you visit uh, the different characters as they're waiting in the queue. Now, look, as I said, I live in Melbourne. We are probably, look, we're, we're such coffee snobs that Starbucks came here and then closed down because... For us, Starbucks isn't coffee. Wow. Uh, my, my best friends run a queer bookshop in Melbourne. <laughs> um, you, know, we, you know, we don't even have, these days, fair trade coffee not the thing uh, or single source coffee. It's direct source. So when I go into my local cafe, there is a photo of Jose in Nicaragua where the cafe owner has been to buy the beans from Jose. God. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, like Portland, we have sort of slightly shitty weather and long winters and, uh, yeah, there's just so much in this that I relate to. It's hilarious. Um, what do you think of you, – you live in Vancouver. I know there are parts of Vancouver that are a bit like Portland. I don't know if your life is as like Portlandia as mine is, but uh, what do you think of it? Ryan? Yeah,
1: it's. It, I mean, the same. I mean, the – it's sort of the exact same attitudes. I mean, sort of Vancouver, Seattle, Portland are sort of the the triplets of this West Coast um, outdoor life um, metro-centric area, uh, similar to what you're saying about Melbourne, where everyone's very snobbish and concerned about uh, everything that has really nothing to do with them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, that was me bleeding through. I I mean, uh, Portland opens with um, with Fred and Carrie walking down the street dreaming of the 90s and talking about the yes. 90s and how the 90s are alive in Portland and they go on to sing a big song and dance number about the 90s the dream of the 90s Which- being alive in Portland
0: YouTube that because that will give you a real sense of, of sort of what the show's about, you know, it's like, you know, remember when you, you spent your weekends at clown school and, right. uh, you know, everyone everyone's a creative and, uh, you know, the the most important thing in your day is is the 15 different ways you need to think about recycling and, uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, Do you remember that, the, the,
1: the sketch they did about Battlestar Galactica?
0: <gasps> One of my... F-
1: where i believe tell, they tell were trying I, I believe that sketch they were trying to tell their friends about how great battlestar galactica was and to try to get them to watch it essentially what we do on this show am i wrong or is that well they, it,
0: No, it starts with the with two of the characters decide to um watch battlestar oh, right. because their friends have been pimping it to them right and so it's, it's Look, everyone, I think most of our listeners will be able to relate to this. They put in the DVD and they're just like, well, we're going out but we'll, we'll watch an episode now and um, and see what it's like. And, they, of course, the first episode finishes with the iconic uh, Battlestar music and they're like, how about one more? <laughs> And something a lot of us can relate to is it sort of then goes over days and it gets to the point you know they haven't left the house um you know they they're ordering in food and they're just like one more you know one more episode one more episode and then they get to the end and of course that's what happens when you binge watch something you get through it all and then they decide that they need more uh so they hunt down Ronald Moore and demand that he writes another episode right. <laughs> And this ends up with this absurd, uh, like a table reading of uh, with Edward J. Almos and James Kellers, who are actors in the actual Battlestar Galactica. If you're stupid enough not to have watched it, uh, with these, you know, these uber fans who are just uh, who are making them write more, and and Ron has this long-suffering wife who's just appalled at all this, and it's just a lovely little taking that idea of both binge watching and 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 fans being demanding um of what they want from their tv creators to absurd levels
1: and that was a whole episode revolving around yes. that I kept coming back to it yeah that's right um i totally forgot was there another episode where their friend they're trying to convince their friends to watch something else
0: uh that that rings a bell as something i can't remember what uh, the
1: heck it was now the wire maybe or something like that yes, i can't remember yes, yeah
0: yes.
1: um my favorite is when and I don't know the characters' names, but they it's the guy that stutters. You know him? Yes. The curly hair wig, and they go into the restaurant. This is in season one, and they uh, <laughs> they sit down, and, like, and the waitress comes by. This is very Vancouverish. It reminds me of. Um, it's she's very like, Melbourne. No, we, we have the free-range chicken, which was lo- locally raised, organically grown um, at a farm just down the road, and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, could you, could you, could you, could you, could you, could you tell us a little bit more about the chicken? Uh, oh yeah. Oh, hold on. And she goes. To, the waitress goes into the back room and comes out with a whole portfolio of the chicken that they're about to eat. Uh, his name <laughs> was Dennis, and uh, he was grown here. He, was 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 he was he liked by the other chickens? Oh yes, yes, very popular. And uh, well, we're we're just not too sure. Well, can you hold our seats? We're going to drive to the farm and just check the conditions. <laughs> Want to make sure that that he was raised in a nice nice environment. Uh, and then the whole episode is about them going to the chicken
2: farm.
0: <laughs> Which ends up being a cult and, uh, you know, anyway, it, it, hilarious. I think the thing that first, and it was the first bit I watched, um, a friend of mine who'd actually been to Portland um, had discovered the series before I had and the first episode I saw was the one with the iconic put a bird on its sketch. Right. Now this has got this couple who go in uh go around uh to uh gift shops and make everything in them better by putting a bird on it now, right. as soon as I heard this, i suddenly it was something I hadn't thought about, but I suddenly looked around every gift shop, every market stall, every website selling crap and everything had birds on it and I, it just ruined like a whole lot of shit for me because now I couldn't buy earrings or, or um, you know, plates <laughs> or anything that had a bird on it because I would hear them, hear this uh, these characters going, put a bird on it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: and that still holds true to. You know, that was three or four years ago. I think now we've moved on to put an owl or a fox on it, right. or a deer. Yeah. Or that... um,
1: tentacles in an octopus. I've seen a lot <laughs> tentacles. of that lately.
0: Yes, yes. They've co-opted my love of tentacles, uh-huh. so I'm absolutely powerless.
1: Um, I love um, the uh, adult hide-and-seek league. Yes. <laughs> like, that's traditional. That would be something you'd see in Vancouver. We're going to play hide-and-seek in our adult hide-and-seek league.
0: Yes. Uh, so there's lots of those areas. Er- it varies, as we said, between having maybe one story. There's, um, there was a recent episode. Do you want to talk a bit about Beaver Town, <laughs> <laughs> which brings all the characters to this place called Beaver Town. Um, Be- Beaverton. Beaverton, sorry. <laughs> so we have Tony and Candace and and the the lesbian, uh, their lesbian friends, going on a retreat, which features Katie Lang in an right. absolute scene stealing role. Agreed. <laughs> Um, and all the other characters doing various thing in things in Beaverton. I thought that was and there's a there's a storm and a flood and oh it, it it's ridiculous and and hilarious
1: and over the top and and just really really funny and I mean good clean comedy. I don't think it's really dirty or or suggestive. Is it? I'm just trying to think. I don't think that there's anything that's too provocative in this.
0: I'm not the person to ask about ah, that, because I, I have yep, I have no boundaries. Uh, so
1: <laughs> no decency. That's why
0: <laughs> I don't. So I can't. I, I don't notice those those things. Um, oh, there is the hilarious with uh, with Lance and Nina when they that they, they have um, the cacao sequence, which that becomes the word that Nina says when she doesn't want to do something sexually that Lance wants.
1: Great. Right.
0: No, and, uh, and and she ends up using it for everything. Anyway, it's one of those, again, uh, absurdist sort of things that you have to see why it's funny. But... Um,
1: I, I like the same sketch of them when um, Nina says she's pregnant and Lance says it's impossible because he's the pull-out king. And you can <laughs> ask anyone, he's the pull-out king. He couldn't have got her <laughs> pregnant. So they... <laughs> Go to buy a sofa bed, and this the place is called the Pullout King.
0: Pullout King, pull
1: yeah. And it's uh, well, and it's uh, Jeff Goldblum, who's the 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 real uh, uh, Pullout uh, King. Um,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. Amaz- amazing, amazing um, guest actors turn up in this series. I mean that that is definitely one of the 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 joys of it is people who turn up in roles you would just like bizarre. Like uh,
1: Kyle McLaughlin is the mayor of Portland.
0: Yeah, and you have um, oh, everyone—Steve uh, yeah. uh, uh Tim Robbins, yeah. um, uh, Martina Navratilova. Yeah. I mean, there's just yeah, incredible um, uh, vign- uh, guest roles by these people, which yeah is is another um, another joy. But I must say, I, I, this season, so we're up to season four
2: mm-hmm.
0: now. I've been feeling a little things are getting a little bit repetitive.
2: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: really? I uh, thought the season was quite good.
0: Oh no, I, overall, I, you know, I think there were some great episodes this season, but I'm finding myself sort of thinking it needs to evolve a bit, and I'm not sure how, but yeah, I just some of it I just thought, mm. yeah, they don't some of it didn't feel like 2014 jokes anymore.
2: Oh, interesting.
0: And, 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 you know, maybe that may be being tough. But there were some things where I thought, you know, it's a bit like, yes, put a bird on it has morphed to put a tentacle on it. Yeah. Um, you know, whether some of those, some of the jokes or the, and maybe these things are still true in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe it's just me seeing that there are other things, if I was making this as Melburnia. Um, I Would do different things in, but you know, still thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, I did find, yeah, I mean, things like that. The Carl McLaughlin as the mayor, I, I adjo- loved all that sort of um, storyline as well, but um, mm, yeah, not sure, not, not sure. I just felt that sort of at the end of this season, a little sort of uh, a little sort of weariness with it.
1: That's interesting, yeah. Maybe a will switch and- up, maybe we'll get some new characters or some new skits.
0: Yeah, that's that's maybe what I was uh, feeling it it needed. And look, you know, I think I made this comment last week. For me, comedy is often like porn that it 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 you become a bit desensitized to it. You either need a break or you need something, you know, you need to watch a whole lot of porn with balloon fetish or something in it just to feel you're seeing the same thing again. And I do often find that with comedy, and I think I mentioned last week with Broad City, that as much as I absolutely adored the first season, part of me was also thinking, "Am I still going to find this all as adorable and delightful five seasons from now? It might, or am I going to want to slap? Yeah, am I going to want to slap these characters and go, oh, look, just fucking grow up'?"
1: <laughs> I'll uh, I'll come clean right now and be and just just to let you know, Jules, Fred Armisen is my balloon porn. <laughs> He's my balloon <laughs> fetish. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, what I I think it's been great. I, I I do hear what you're saying. A little bit tired in in some of the areas, but I'll definitely watch the next season. I I have no problem with that.
0: Oh yeah, um, no, I, I'll I'll definitely watch it. I mean, I'm being uber uber critical here, and I'll watch that. I'll watch you know I'd watch another episode of Portlandia before I'd watch just about you know any other comedy on TV. Yeah. the ones we've been talking about. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, I I suppose it's just that some and it happens with any TV show is, is is longevity is is hard and I think it's even harder in in comedy. Um to keep often what is fresh and novel. I mean a lot of comedy can come from things being you seeing something in a different way for the first time. I mean a lot of comedy relies on is is, is pointing out something that you haven't seen before, looking at the world in a fresh way. And when you'd been doing that for four years, it can be difficult to keep coming up and looking at the world in a fresh way. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, feeling a little bit of that. But that said, you know, Beaverton was one of my favourite episodes ever this season. So um, wonderful physical, like it's a wonderful mix of that sort of parody, if you like, uh, satire stuff, yeah, and sa- satire, but some you know just some wonderful physical comedy uh, from them, and uh, you know incredible, incredibly talented uh, actors and, and writers at the center of it, and a lot of improv in in it as well, right, which gives it that uh, that fantastic energy um, and those elements of the just totally absurd um, which make you laugh and you can't explain why.
1: Mm-hmm. If you want to just see how close it is to Vancouver you should Google our current mayor um, yes. not only does he look like Kyle McLaughlin, but he also rides his bike to work every day
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there's that
0: well, and I know uh, from the last couple of times I've been to Vancouver, things like you know the all the new bike paths on the roads in the c- city have been well, you know every everyone has an opinion on them, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know random people on the street will stop you and talk about things like that. So um, uh, yes, it, it, it definitely I think a lot of a lot of people in uh, uh, different cities will relate to it, and if not, you will look at from afar and think gee i'm glad i live wherever i live
1: (laughs) or you'll say geez i'd sure like to visit portland it looks like a fun city
0: yeah and if you can't get to portland come to melbourne because seriously we are even more i mean there is stuff on portlandia that would be a documentary (laughs) if you made it here it would no no parody or satire at all it would be true to life (laughs) So, on to our next show to talk about this week. Uh, a show that, compared to some of these other, other comedies we've talked about, has garnered quite a lot of critical acclaim over its uh, four seasons, and that is Louie. I'm
1: 41 and I'm single. Not really single, just alone. But I have two children, and that's the only thing I'm comfortable with. Jesus,
0: that is, you don't need a doctor, you need a time machine. Did no one tell you that that is meant to be on women, not men? What is that? Come
2: on, man.
1: <laughs> Louie, which is on the FX network. Um, uh, wow. Louie, this show is is different than anything on TV. It's a, I mean, we, we've included it in the comedy. I, I challenge that it's really not much of a comedy at all, other than the <laughs> fact that the main character is a stand-up, and Al Seinfeld does, you see him do a little bit of stand-up comedy uh, during the, the um, episode. Man, it's, it's pretty dark. There's not a lot of comedy to be had in most of it. Um,
0: it it's... It's interesting, just just to interrupt and segue back to when we were at a discussion on award shows, yeah. I noticed that um, Orange is the New Black has been, when it comes to award shows, gets put in the comedy section, um, which I think is totally bizarre. I mean, uh, not to say there aren't laughs in Orange is the New black but uh to put that up against something like you know big bang theory or whatever it's just it seems absurd and same with uh you know if you compared say louis and portlandia i mean there is absolutely no doubt uh you know portlandia even though it has elements of satire they're they're very you know it's a very gentle you know put a bird on it satire whereas uh louis really um Really digging in there down the back of our psychic couch and finding all the grotty bits
1: um, the show revolves around Louis played by louis c k who's a stand up comedian um, he, I mean he plays himself, but the show is really his show. He created it he 's the only writer on the show. He directs episodes, he does the editing for all the episodes or he he did the first few seasons. Um, This is his his show on his laptop. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this is his show. Uh, I I think what happened is he was on a show before called Lucky Louie, which was. He pitched to a network, essentially what we're seeing here, Louie. And they said, sounds great. Let's make that. He's like, "Okay, but, you know, just so you know, it's not going to be your typical comedy. And of course, Hollywood said, "Yeah, yeah, no, of course, of course. And then, of course, they turned around and made it into a typical comedy, which he hated. That's actually, And he
0: actually sends up in one of the episodes. It,
1: it does, yeah. And I believe that's what happened. Anyways, I, I could be wrong. Um, so when creating this series, Louis for FX, he basically said, I'll do it for super cheap. It was a couple hundred grand an episode. If I have complete creative control. So the network is saying, okay, well, either... He he does a great job and it's a good show or he bombs and we haven't lost that much money. So he went to work making this show and it's set in New York where, where he is. Comedy Cellar plays a big part of the show. That's where they go and literally do comedy uh, every night and try their act out. And it's just about his life and being a, being a stand-up comedian, trying to make it. Two girls with a divorced wife and trying to you know be a father and uh, an ex-husband and a, a friend to his friends and you know in very much like the show that we talked about last week which was Broad City he's he's a loser I mean he's not a winner he doesn't win things don't go in his favor he doesn't have good luck everything is you know comes up shitty when it, for Louis. and through this four episodes now that they've had we sort of are on side with him and we feel sorry for him, but we're sort of along for the ride to see, you know, how, how life can really kick you in the balls. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, he, he, he's fascinating as a central character because, of course, any time you have a, a central character in a, in a show, you, you have to connect with them in some way. And uh, usually there's a degree of, of, of empathy there, no matter, you know, even if they're evil, like, walter white or someone um that's to have the central figure in a comedy show be someone that um is is so complex and you know not like there's sides with parts where you see like for example his his relationship with his daughters which often is played for humor in him (laughs) you know um Oh, there's a scene in in an episode where he like gives one kid that they're like six and eight or nine, and um gives you know give one kid a treat and the other one doesn't get it, and he's like, well, this is a life lesson, you know, life's not life's not fair. Sometimes yeah, you get good sucks. stuff, and yeah, yeah and, and sometimes you don't. But you know, you can you can see him trying to to be a good father. on the, On the other, you know, and he's in that situation of having come out of a a, a marriage in his forties, uh really having. No idea about relationships, and a lot of really, and not a lot of idea about who he is as well. Um, the the thing that you know you get is his central to to who he is and what he does is his comedy, um, but you know he's you, you just see his struggle and this is not sounding hilarious at all is it but just just in getting through like, like there's a scene where you know he often has a babysitter or someone come over to look after the kids who he shares custody with which again i think is a that's something you don't often see i mean usually the the typical trope with your divorced dad or whatever he has the kids on weekends or something but he has the kids you know equal time with his partner, and so he has to worry about babysitters and things like that. And then there's one night when the babysitter comes round just so he hasn't got a job on but so he can go out and he's got nothing to do. He's like he's got nowhere to go and, and he is lost in life in many ways. I'm really depressed now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Now, the, the, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the, some of the tropes they talk about are you, you have mental, mental health issues, uh, depression, divorce, sex, sexual orientation, Catholic guilt. Um, <laughs> there's an episode where his friend comes to say goodbye because he hasn't seen him in a long time because his friend's going to go and commit suicide. Yes. And he doesn't do anything yeah. to stop him. No. I mean, he ta- tries to talk him out of it, and the guy's like, no, no, this is what I want. So I mean it's heavy. Some of it is really really heavy and I I think that's amazing because you know actually they even talked about it in the last episode which was Often comedians have Serious problems with depression Actually one of the reasons why they become comedians is to make people laugh um, To fight their own depression uh, issues like this and man this is this show is that in spades yeah.
0: I, I have to. I have just to prove that trope totally right. My first full length stand up show was called uh, "True Confessions of a Couch Potato" and was about dealing with depression and therapy. So I was like, "Hey, yeah, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs>
2: hey, look at me, look it's, at me." It's, it's
0: comedy gold. Um, so it's 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 very true. I, I think the standout thing about Louis is. <sighs> It's it's sort of that he doesn't have the answers, and it's a very it's a show where you almost can almost like live the best live comedy does is you can almost feel him working things out at you know issues and and relationships and where his place in the world through the episodes. It has occasions where it's a bit didactic, but generally he puts stuff in front of you as a viewer. And doesn't give you an answer. Right. It's not this is right or wrong, or I think this is the the way it should happen, or this would make Louis's life better, or this is who he is, or uh, it, it, it twists things uh, and doesn't give you that neat ending. A little example, and this is just a a minor one, is there's an episode where he's uh he's on a date as he, as he increasingly goes on, um, and uh, he, he I think he captures a lot beautifully about. Uh, the difficulties of dating, and you know, just little things like. And this is the episode where, um, halfway through the date, uh, the woman says to him, "I just want to tell you this is going really well, and I'd like to see you again." And it, it's like, "Oh, yeah, you know, that's that's such a relief that I know now, and not, not at the end of the date." Right. Um, and I can't remember; it's the same episode or another one. They go they go out to dinner, and then you know, he obviously wants the night to continue, and she's like, "eh," and they end up going for to a diner. And then there's these obnoxious teenagers in there that um, become really confrontational and, and threaten him with violence. And um, he ends up following one of the teens' home and confronting the teenager's parents, who, of course, turn out to be, look at first, look to be violent assholes as well. But then he ends up sitting on the front porch with the father, uh, you know, having a smoke and sort of sharing their experiences of fatherhood. And by not having a simple answer there about that, it, it's really saying, you know, being a parent is really difficult. Um, and I really like that, that they don't, it doesn't, the stories or the situations don't have the ending we're used to seeing of right. being one thing or another. It's often, there's often a conflict. And often Louis wants to do things that he think will be good or make him popular or whatever, but he does the other thing, not because right. he's, you know because he hasn't got the courage or whatever so it's you yeah it's it's quite challenging viewing i found
1: um th- i think this season has been the best season so far um just because they're really pushing the envelope as far as doing doing really interesting things there's an episode i'm going to talk about some but i don't think it's going to spoil anything it's not really mm-hmm. the show that is Leading up to anything. It's more independent sort of stories So I hope people don't mind this but spoiler alert anyways, but I want to talk about a few of the things from this season um, There's a new girl who works at the comedy club who likes him, and she's She's really cool. She's got a great sense of humor and you know She's she likes him and uh, she wants to be together with him, but she's heavy so, she goes to ask him out, Fact. and Fact. he's like, oh, sorry, <laughs> well, we'll get to, uh, yeah, okay. we'll go, uh, she goes to ask him out and say, hey, you know what, you want to get a coffee, and he, he of course, is like a douchebag, comes up with an excuse why he can't, and then she's got tickets to a hockey game that she gives him, and he's like, wow, these are amazing seats, and she's like, yeah, you know, I can't use them, so don't you like me now, and he, he sort of feels guilt into... Going out with her and they get a cup of coffee and they're walking through um, Central Park and she's like oh you're not gonna hold my hand and, and he's like no no It's not like that and she's like oh it's because I'm fat and You don't want to be seen with a fat girl and he's like oh you're not fat and then she goes on <laughs> this and, and I timed it It was like eight and a half minute long monologue yep. uncut uh in the middle of central park giving him shit for saying that she's not fat and how fat girls hate that and she knows that she's fat and why does it matter to him and she's a good person and he's a good person and everybody else that's seeing them doesn't think anything and i mean it was eight and a half minutes uncut and it's not like it was perfect the the cam was all over the place it was losing yeah. focus you know she was fumbling her some of her lines and you know it was moving around and it it wasn't good filmmaking from a technical standpoint but from a performance standpoint it was breathtaking oh,
0: amazing amazing um, yeah really really was amazing and, a- I and,
1: think- t- and touching i mean it touched i mean it's like heartbreaking and and he's just standing there taking it and she's she's dishing it out for 10 minutes and all these people are walking by and it, it really it, it felt so natural and so goddamn real yeah. it was very cool
0: and and you know Also, ties into something the show does, and we talked about how it it often tops and tails with him doing a, and sometimes in the middle, him doing a stand up set. Um, But the actual bits in between are almost, it's not like Seinfeld, which is basically a traditional sitcom with a bit of stand up at the beginning and end. It's almost the sit, the stand up style continues into everything we see and so part of like with that monologue as often happens you know you know and part of me thinking uh is this what she act the character you know the person actually said or has she made one comment and then he hears all this because uh, you know his own body image um, and issues around how he looks and that have been a, a, a through line for, for the whole series because he knows he's in his 40s. He's not, you know, he, he's not a traditionally... Well, you, know, haven't a poly- seen the, you
1: haven't seen the last episode yet, have no. you? No.
0: Oh, let's just no. say
1: that uh, those issues get revealed.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I, I'll have to watch the finale now. <laughs> Everyone, just hold on. I'll go and watch the finale. Um, but I think that, you know, and again, without it... Um, that, that moment too, I mean, and, and wonderful performance there, but it, it it also draws on, you know, a whole lot of what has been going on with him and particularly with him and trying to, uh, you know, one of the, th- again, through lines for most of the series is, is his relationship with Pamela, who who he meets through his kid's school, who's parent of a, a, a child who goes to school with his kids. And, um, again, really, yeah. I don't think she is. Very, no, no, her no. son. Really? Yeah, uh, Like Pam,
1: Pam Adlon's character?
0: Yeah. She's a kid? He met her. Oh. Yes. Oh,
1: huh, okay. Yes. <laughs> well, because she, she comes back this season, but she doesn't yeah, yeah. mention her kid, does she? Oh, yeah, they shipped yeah. him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. always, because she has shared custody with her part, ex-partner. And so you do see, I think you do see him this season, but um, usually he's off having a sleepover. Or, or, or with his father. Um, but, you know, the. just to get back to the the episode you were talking about too, it doesn't, you know, it's not casting Louis in a good light. You know, this is not... No, uh, yeah. And And it's also not like he has then some revelation no. either. You know, it's not some epiphanous moment for him and he's suddenly like... Uh, it's not afraid to portray him and, and certainly, you know... There's a scene, uh, an episode this season with him and Pamela where, you know, he's had these strong feelings. You know, he's in love with her and she's, you know, continually rebuffed his advances in terms of... And being quite clear with him that she's not interested. And there's an episode this season where he, you know, he physically confronts her because he wants, you know, he wants to kiss her. And, you know, I found that incredibly difficult scene to watch and, and, you know, to... And that's one reason I hadn't finished the whole season in, in real time because I found it, you know, I, I found it hard to get back into after that because he's, it's appalling, you know. It's an absolutely chilling scene where he uses his physical presence to, to intimidate her and, 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 you know, demand that he she kiss him. And, oh, I just found that destroying. Um, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think... I found it pathetic.
1: I I mean, I'll definitely say pathetic. But I mean, she, it it was funny because she's like, God, you can't even rape good. You're so pathetic. You're so terrible. I know.
0: But I I suppose, you know, from my point of view, I'd say just, I'd say every woman watching that has been in that situation. Uh, And even if it's someone you're friends with and you know, and yes, you can make that joke, the fear that you feel and that, that seeing that other side of someone, um, yeah, that, I, I mean, every woman's been in that situation and, that, and, and I think the fact that, you know, and afterwards where he, you know, does the sort of victory pump and he thinks it's a success and you think you've just revealed yourself to be, you know, in, in that moment appalling um, was, yeah, it was very difficult. But, you know, I think that's what the show is doing. It's not, you know, and at the same time in that episode, he does this whole stand-up, sort of almost feminist stand-up piece about how hard women have it in in the world. Right. So there's that, that tent, you know, you know, he, he, re- on one level, he recognizes things yet, you know, he can't, you know, for a long time with Pamela, he gets really angry about the fact that she doesn't return his feelings. Like he's really angry. Oh, about absolutely. That. He is, yeah. <laughs> um, but I,
1: I, and here I am as a viewer getting mad at him. Like it, it, earlier, yeah. before, before this, in the, in the middle of the season, he was with this, um, uh, was she Turkish?
0: Uh, yes, Eastern, Eastern European. Eastern European woman
1: who uh, was living in his building and she was here to, with her aunt. Her aunt was going to move back to Hungary. Sorry, she was from Hungary. And Louis starts talking with the daughter. Well, sort of talking because the niece doesn't speak uh, English. So yeah. they sort of communicate. And it's a beautiful, romantic little story of them going out and, you know, sort of getting to know each other and enjoying each other's company and. Um, One-sided conversations between the two of them and very affectionate and and warm and and nice and she's got to move back to Hungary with her aunt when her aunt is backed up and you know that That relationship that he's in Isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, It, it has no resolution other than her leaving So, you know, you think well, maybe he's gonna go with her or he's gonna do something or something's gonna happen Nope, she just leaves yeah, and that's it. And then, and then he phones Pam, Pamela, and tries to get with her. And I, I just get so mad at watching them. Like you fucking loser! Why are you wasting your time with someone who doesn't want to be with you? And that's Jeff. it's. It, it, it gets me so angry at, at his character <laughs> for being such a schmuck. He's such a
2: sad sack.
0: Um. Yes. Def- <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, and the you know it. It, again, is the contradiction in his character because, you know, on one hand there's, there's a lot to like about Louis as, as a character. Um, on the other hand, you know, I certainly, and, and he's someone I think, oh, you know, I'd love to, uh, you know, go and have a beer with him and, and, and hang out. On the other hand, if he wanted to date a friend of mine, I'd be like, you know, get out of there.
2: Because he's a loser. Um.
0: um Yeah, I I mean, I think the thing is, uh, and for me what that means is he's someone who doesn't have a strong sense of himself. Mm. Uh, He's maybe lost is is maybe a better word. Like I get this sense, and I'm sure it's not an uncommon experience of someone who's, uh, and we know that, you know, basically he was stoned for half of most of his 20s, then he gets into this marriage and, you know, he comes out of it in his 40s with... The character in the series a reasonable comedy career um, although he is often sabot- self sabotaging in in his own career like he, he uh, there's a wonderful episode when he's in is at Atlantic city uh, in a casino and and he nearly loses the job because he's you know he, he, he's doing a room where basically the only people there are people who've got a free ticket from the hotel um you know, to go and see his show and, and so no one pays him attention and, you know, he ends up slagging off Donald Trump and he's going to lose his... The, the, the hotel's like, you can't slag off the casino or Donald Trump and he's like, well, you know, I'll take the high moral ground. I'm not going to do the show. And he runs into Joan Rivers in what I have to say is an incredible and really moving performance from her about being a comedian. And, um, you know, and she, she's basically get your head out of your ass. you know who do you who do you think you are turning down a job you know you're you're so lucky in that you get to do this thing that you know she calls it a vocation you know you you get to do this thing that drives you that you love um you but you don't have the room to go oh well you know I'm too good for this or you know I'm going to pick and choose these things because this is a hard Way to learn, earn a living. I, I found that whole sequence from her, and I'm not a Joan Rivers fan at all in terms of her comedy, um, or public persona. But I just thought that that was amazing. And then they end up fucking, which was a <laughs> lovely twist too. It was fantastic. <laughs> it is, and I mean that's that's where where Louis can also be really, you know, in some ways, really, uh, yeah. Again, subverting your expectation. Uh, You know, he gets so moved by her talk uh, about being a comedian that he, you know, goes in for the kiss and she's like, you know, what the fuck? Um, But then, you know, they revisit things and they they end up in bed. But, uh, yeah, I I loved that episode.
1: Because given the chance to fuck John Rivers,
0: fuck her. (laughs) Yeah, I might pass on that. But... uh... (laughs) Oh yeah,
1: you don't like Joan Rivers?
0: No, look, I don't, I've never. I don't like her Don't particularly like her comedy, or, oh. or or as I said, her public persona. Um, oh. and I don't find her attractive anyway. Anyway, oh. um, and, you know, I've got enough girls to pick from. I don't need Joan Rivers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Louis does.
0: <laughs> Louis, you know, he ta- he takes. But I, yeah, uh, did you like that episode? I
1: I, uh, I did like it. I, I like the episode when he went and saw Dane Cook as well. Oh yes. do you remember that one and uh yeah you know, talk, he, talk
0: a bit about that when he, he's after yeah door so he so. goes
1: to uh Dane Cook is in town and he goes to try and um mend the fences as it were because uh, they've they've had a real life feud between them, Louis saying shit about dane uh and calling him down to saying yeah. that he's a shit uh, comedian and stuff like that, you know, so Dane's playing this sold out huge show. And Louis goes to see him and be like, "Hey, man, I, you know, I just want to bury the hatchet and apologize." And and Dane Cook essentially tears a strip off him and tells him what a fucking asshole he was, and yeah. you know how he used to look up to him and and thought he was a really great comedian, and then he said a bunch of the co- shit. The com-
0: was, comedian's comedian.
1: Yeah, and and that he totally tore him down and didn't expect that, and it was very moving actually, and it was. Uh, just really bizarre to see funny funny people talking about feelings like that um it's it's cool and
0: and i think one thing the show continually does well is say is really saying there's always another perspective on things and that's that's a great example and the joan rivers one but that, that that dane cook one's a great example where where louis seen you know the the character has uh Apparently, there's been rumors around for years that uh, Dane Cook stole material from um, from Louis. And Louis hasn't said that himself, but he's obviously traded off that right. uh, in terms of, you know, feel, feeling hard done by and a bit of high moral ground amongst his peers and that. And then you get Dane Cook's side of like, you know, I was having this amazing year in comedy. It was my big break. And then these things started, rumors started coming out. And, and Louis's like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't say these things. He's like, yeah, no, but you let them be said and you didn't stop them and that's an asshole act to let that you know let that nastiness and and those rumors be out there and that happens a number of times if you remember there's a really early episode might even be season one where there's a woman heckling him in the in the or or yelling out things in the comedy club and Mm -hmm.
2: there's
0: you know the two of them have this exchange about you know and it's like why he thinks she's a terrible person and and she's like you know Countering with note why he is, and um, I like that because it always challenges our perspective as a viewer. So just when you're about to take sides, something will come in and turn that over. So just when you think someone's a baddie or an asshole, someone will come in with another perspective, and you're like, oh, okay, oh. That's uncomfortable. Now yes. I don't know what I. Th- now yes. I don't know what I think. <laughs>
1: that's right. Confuse the viewer. Change it up. Flip the script, if you will.
0: Oh, yeah. that's a good term. Uh, um, and I did. I suppose we should just comment on certainly from. I suppose through season three and four, it started off very much as uh, a, again almost a series of vignettes in each episode. Season one and two were uh, often with a theme linking them but they could be you know louis could be at his therapist and then he could be with his kids and then he might be at the club and they they weren't it wasn't necessarily one story but then through season 3 and definitely season 4 they started having uh, more episodes around one thing and then multi episode arcs how, how do you think that's worked in terms of uh, the show is it do you think that's been an addition or is it taken Yeah I away like from that it?
1: I like that a lot you know the this season with Anya and uh, with the waitress and these sorts of things, I think that's the way it has to be. I, the individual episodes, I, I don't enjoy as much as the bigger story arc, for sure. Because I mean, you're showing you're showing stories from a guy's life. It has to have be more than one day.
0: Yeah i I have pluses, you know. I think there are pluses and minuses to both. I liked. There was certainly, I think, the earlier seasons had a bit more. Um, Certainly, the last season was very much focused on his uh, romantic relationships. Um, not always, though. There was that whole, you know, sort of flashback to his um, earlier drug use and stuff. But um, what yeah. Did it, you- it- oh, sorry.
1: What did you think about the flashbacks uh, this season? So we flashback we did a flashback to when he and his wife got pregnant.
0: Yes.
2: But they cast. Actors that looked nothing like them.
0: Yeah, um, that that didn't worry me so much. I, I think the flashbacks throughout the whole show have have varied in their success. You know, I think sometimes um, sometimes they work, and sometimes they feel like an outtake from a totally different show.
1: Well, that's what I thought. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was watching
1: it, saying, "Is this still the same? Sh- Did I flip to a different show?" Yeah. Um, I mean, because. Their oldest kid is 9, so this would only have been 10 years previous, yeah, and you and have a completely do... different actor playing Louis, just so he looks a little bit younger. He doesn't even look like him, though. And actually, was his wife black? Did they cast a, a black woman?
0: I'm not sure. Because
1: his wife is African-American, which they finally yeah. addressed, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in the last episode, they actually, oh, okay. Pam Adlon's like, seriously, what the fuck? How is your wife black and you had two <laughs> translucent kids? <laughs> um, uh, I'm just thinking to that flashback. I, I don't remember. If, did they cast a black woman? I can't remember anyways. No, um, I can't remember. But I really liked Louis as a kid. I would I would watch a whole season of Louis as a kid. I thought that was yeah, awesome. Yeah, there
0: was some wonderful, uh, one of the... S- Stand, a couple of standout episodes. Ones where, um, ones the whole uh, the Catholic Church, where the nun brings in the doctor to explain uh, how, how Jesus was crucified, and he does it in you know uh, horrifically vivid detail to scare the shit out of these kids, and that I thought was brilliant. And there's the other one with the woman that he looks up on Facebook, and he remembers from as being a, a schoolgirl, a school crush that he had the one who asks him to pull his dick out.
2: Right. Do remember? Uh, yeah.
0: And then he goes to meet her, you know, in, in, in current time as well. I mean, yeah, some of them were great and some of them were, some of them were, yeah, I think less successful, which is only in comparison to the fact that the current day stuff is so amazing that you, you miss it when Louis is not in the frame.
1: Yeah, uh, but I, I did really enjoy the young him smoking pot and,
0: <laughs> uh, yes,
1: selling uh, microscopes was it, or, or yes. scales rather? Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah. No, there was uh, some brilliant, brilliant pieces there, and I think that it's hard to describe because even with the this season with more uh, single and multi episode story arcs, it's still not a traditional sitcom style, even though the form's a bit more similar than it was initially.
1: No, it's really not. It's. Um... I don't even know what format it is. I don't even think it's a real established <laughs> format. And th- and that's part of him as being the editor as well. Like yes. that, that long scene that we talked about with the girl giving the monologue about not being fat. If this was any other show, they would have shot so much coverage of that. They would have shot it wide. They would have shot his reaction, her reaction, steady cammed yeah. around it, did, you know, a medium-wide shot. Um, and then spliced all that together, got rid of all the mistakes and everything like that. And it would have been, it still would have been a good scene. But to make that decision that, you know what, that's all we need is that one take, and we're just going to play that all the way through, that takes yeah. balls. And, and most people, and I say most, 99.9% of editors out there would never do that. Well, they wouldn't do that because that's not their job. <laughs> their job is to edit it, and that's not editing it, that's just putting it a big chunk. So I would love to get the backstory on that, that scene.
0: Well, we might have to buy the DVD. Maybe there's commentary on there. (laughs) Good idea. (laughs) Um, So yes, definitely we're recommending Louis. I mean, I think for many reasons, um, but particularly it's playing with a lot of stuff both in the in the form and the content, Uh, and it's a voice um, on TV and in comedy that uh, yeah is is very different and not. Uh, I think as we've, you've probably got the idea from us, not always easy viewing.
1: No, but very intriguing. I mean, I find myself just staring at the screen, like, just like,
2: <laughs> what's
1: going to happen? or what's he going to say? Or, or like, I can't believe how emotional this is, how emotional it is him just talking to his kids and, and how real and visceral it is. Um <laughs> Very and good.
0: do you do you find? I mean, I was just thinking about the range of shows that we've talked about, and particularly, obviously, Portlandia is. Uh, uh, I suppose they generally the characters are in their thirties. Last week we talked about Broad City, which has you know the lead characters are in their early twenties. Um, there's a lot I related to in Louis because you know he talks a lot about aging. Um, you know he's he's in his early to mid forties since this season. Series has started, um, and not that there's a an absence of forty-something white men in comedy, <laughs> um, but there's something about the way he talks about um, where he is in his life, and again that, that sense of being lost. And there's a one something I think he says to Pamela once and um, about imagining his youngest daughter turning. 18 or, or 21, 18, I think. And, you know, at that point, he'll, he'll, he will no longer be a father in the way he's been. And that sometimes he thinks that on that day he'll kill himself. And that's, that's some heavy shit, man. You know, it is, but it's yeah. it speaks to how really being a father is, a, aside from comedy, being a father is really central to his identity. And, and to have him, you know, talk about reflecting that when he doesn't have that anymore, who is he? Is life even, even worth living is—it's um it's not something you think about in your twenties. That's shit that.
1: you never hear Danny Tanner talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um he did have a wonderful line. Also, you know, it's and is someone you know. I'm older than Louis is, but uh, you know, so I think about this shit a lot. You know, he said at, at one point, there's a, a line he has that you know, you get to a point where in life where you think it's too, it, it, you know. I'm too old to start doing certain things or, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, there are things that are no longer open to me, you know, or, you know, his line is, you know, I'm too old to start fighting, skiing or sucking men's dicks. Um, (laughs) And I'd like to have that on a T-shirt because I totally agree. (laughs) I also feel that way. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Maybe they should, we should get team t shirts Yeah. so I suppose a, there are a lot of funny lines in Louis. Don't get the idea that it, it is really depressing all the time. We are
1: calling it a comedy.
0: We are calling it a comedy. Um, and there are bits... And sometimes you're laughing not just because um a funny one line or you're because you recognise yourself in it, uh, your own patheticness. <laughs> uh, obviously, none of our listeners are losers, but maybe you know one. <laughs> and there's that familiarity there of... Um, Having been in in that situation and whether it's you know some of it's like stuff that happens to him on the subway or oh god there's that time he goes on a uh, the date with that comedian and uh, the homeless guy gets killed on the way Praise. incredibly uh absurd and um but you know often you know he anyway I, I'm getting to that point of describing things that um Really made an impact on me, but probably don't translate when I start babbling about them. <laughs> but it is, it's probably one of the comedies that's made me think about a lot of stuff more than anything else. Well, and, and it's, I think, Portlandia it, and coffee. <laughs> right.
1: Um, I also think it's one of the comedies that's really, and I say this about a lot of the shows, but changed the shape of how production is done and how. You know, now all of a sudden people are going to start saying, well, you know what? There's no, is there any reason why we can't make this show for, uh, you know, that may not be appealing to broad audiences? But if we can do it cheap enough, why not? Yep. Uh, um, taking a chance, taking a risk. And I think that's awesome. And I hope we see more of that stuff. I know I say that a lot, but I do <laughs> hope we see more of it. That's all I have to say well- about that.
0: I Well, I bang on every week about how good it is that we now have different platforms for, you know, broadcasting such as, as Netflix and web series. I mean, a number of the comedies we're talking about had some sort of start uh, on the web or their performers in them. Uh, certainly for comedians, the the web and YouTube have been an absolute boon in reaching, you know, you can do a a room in your hometown, and and if you're really successful, you might have a crowd of you know forty people every week, and you can put a video up on YouTube, and suddenly you know if you're lucky, it catches on, and you've got thousands of viewers. And you yeah, get, not us, you,
1: but other people.
0: Not <laughs> not us, but um, yeah, and 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 then you can do a a tour to another city. But you know, for comedians, has been really important. But yeah, I think. Uh, and also the success of a show like this hopefully then makes people in power more willing to take a risk with comedies and comedies that are different.
2: Yeah, yeah. And
1: and the more we see, the more it's going to appeal to different people, make them feel like special little flowers that this was made just for them, and (laughs) then they can take the DVD copies to their friend's house and say, you have to watch this.
0: Yeah, and I'm pleased that you know Louis amongst the comedies we've talked about, Louis is one that's garnered a lot of critical acclaim. Yeah, uh, it does get co- talked about on the on the big you know by the big TV reviewers and and recappers. Uh, so I think I don't have no idea what the what the ratings are like and and how important that is, but it's certainly got a profile. Um, well,
1: it can't be. I mean, based on how much it costs to create the show, what would be your 300 grand an episode or something? Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you need for a share of ratings to pay that <laughs> off? Not a hell of <laughs> yeah, a lot, I'll tell you. Yeah,
0: probably you and I watching. I mean, you know, and the point is it sold to Netflix, so it's it's probably covered its costs a million times by now. Right. Um, again, a new platform that means that uh, uh, anyone listening to this, go, go and Netflix it and see if you like it. Um,
1: and if you want to own it, head over to our website. We have our iTunes affiliate link there uh, for both of these shows. Uh, so if you want to own them and have a, a copy in your own little hands, you can click on the links on iTunes. We'll take you right to the iTunes library and you can actually purchase the seasons. Uh, the nice thing about iTunes is that's going to be the highest quality that you're going to get it. So, yep. you know, they talk about Blu-ray and things like that. Blu-ray is, is just as high quality. However, we have found uh, in production that the iTunes is, uh, is one of the nicest looking streams that you can mm. get. Full 1080p, beautiful colour, and uh, it's very good quality. So if you want to do that, you can own them for life. You can watch them on the go, on your mobile, all over the place.
0: (laughs) You can laugh anywhere, anytime, or be reminded that perhaps your life is better than Louise.
2: But not
1: not in real life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, in real life, he's doing fantastically now.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs)
0: Uh, that's, I think, that's all from us this week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed. I hope you go and watch some of these comedies. What um, do we have
1: coming up next week?
0: That's a good question, Ryan. Do
1: you want, want me to answer. just take a look that, and uh, find I, out?
0: I, oh, you could. All right.
1: What do you want to make a guess while I'm looking that up? Just to
0: No, t- no I, I don't. Just I, um, to
1: fill in the time at all, or
0: no? Um, but I'm, I'm eagerly. <sighs> to stop podcasting so I can go and watch the finale of Orphan Black
1: Speaking Um, of Orphan Black, guess what we're talking about next week?
0: What are we talking about next week? Orphan Black (laughs) Yay!
1: (laughs) And uh, the uh, series Ray Donovan we'll be talking about next season, or next uh, week (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Now I haven't seen any Orphan Black, but I've seen Ray Donovan, and you haven't seen any Ray Donovan (laughs) but you've seen Orphan Black So this should go really well, I think we have a lot of catching up to do
0: I will try and watch some Ray Donovan. Uh, my backup situation is I'm actually go, going out with friends tonight who have both just finished watching Ray Donovan, so I plan <laughs> I plan to suck things out of their brain and then fake it,
2: <laughs>
0: which I'm very good at doing. Uh, but I expect you to have watched two seasons of Orphan Black by next week. Uh,
2: uh-huh. Yeah. that will probably that. happen.
0: <laughs> um so that will be a good, a good one to catch, catch up with. Uh, I have so much to say about Orphan Black. I could probably do a three-hour podcast on my own. Oh, good.
1: Is. Then I don't have to talk.
0: No, I won't let you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Visit us at tvchinwag.com. You can also email us your feedback on...
1: Fans at tvchinwag.com.
0: We are looking for anyone, if you love the uh, intros to our podcast, if you... Uh some skills
1: in the voiceover area, email us, and we'd love to have you record one for us. That'd be great. Very good. Until next week, I'm Ryan. I'm Jules. Take it easy, Keep
0: everybody. Laughing. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you've liked the podcast, please tell a friend. We love getting reviews on iTunes and email at fans at TVchinwag.com. We're on Twitter at TV Chinwag. Music for the podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules and myself, Alan, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.